2: Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones? With the disappointment of the Phantom Menace, fans were hoping that the series would follow it up with something that put things back on track but not everybody agreed that that was happening. The film introduces some new actors to the franchise and an entirely new look for Star Wars when it comes to those visual effects that finally caught up to George Lucas's vision. The film is currently rated 65% fresh on the tomato meter with an audience score of 56%. We have an amazing guest today, Mark, and we're gonna bring him on in a second, but how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Jacqueline. You know, I'm, I'm really excited that we're talking about Star Wars movies in general. I know that it's the month to talk about Star Wars movies. And I also like that we get to give you a distraction from what's going on in Green Bay. Um, oh. I, I know that our guest is a big Chicago fan. And so I'm just I'm just here to keep the peace between these two NFC Norse rivals.
2: By the way, for folks that don't know, I want to give a little bit of context. I am a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. It's the only bit of football I still keep up with with my current work duties. And my quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, and my franchise, the Green Bay Packers, are going through a bit of an ugly divorce, I think. But I'm still hoping for reconciliation. And based on everything I know, I think that is actually going to happen because the Packers ain't coming off of him. They just ain't. So... Aaron, if you're listening, in between hosting Jeopardy, go pack. All right. uh, And come on the show. And come on the show. Yes, absolutely. Come on the show. Uh, Before we break it down and get into the nitty gritty of Attack of the Clones, um, not to say anything, but I think this is going to be a lively show with our guests. And I know I have some strong opinions about it. I think our guest does as well. But Mark, go ahead and set the stage. Give us the synopsis of Attack of the Clones.
0: Oh, I've never seen it. I have no idea what it's about. No, I've seen it about a (laughs) hundred times, uh, including like seven times in the theater. Attack of the Clones is episode two, and we are 10 years removed from The Phantom Menace. How can you tell? Well, little Annie is now all grown up, and he's got a cool Jedi ponytail, and he is handsome. And remember when in Phantom Menace, when he asked uh, Padme if she's an angel? Well, she kind of is, and she's kind of got the hots for said... Jedi in training. And so the problem here is that Jedis, they're not really supposed to love. They're not supposed to hate, anger, or love. They just pretty much are just supposed to stay in second gear with all their emotions. But he's starting to have some pangs. Meanwhile, we got all these things going on with the Jedi Council and with the political spectrum because this Palpatine guy, he's getting an awful lot of power. Now we got this Count Dooku and it just, it looks like things are trending towards the dark side. So who will win out as we have the backdrop of the Clone Wars, the specter of clones versus a very tiny amount of Jedi with really cool lightsabers, but it's all shaping up to be a rebellion of sorts, but that rebellion could be for the Empire. So it's sort of the beginnings of things that we knew from the classic trilogy, Jack, and they're all starting to bubble up here in Attack of the Clones
2: yes glimmers of what we will be playing in in future parts of the series uh and callbacks to previous movies that happen actually later in the timeline i really do love that about this film but let's bring in our guest who i think maybe doesn't have as much love for it but listen he's a friend he's a certified guest coming back for his Mm -hmm. i think third appearance jay washington a stand-up comic, actor, host. He co-hosts and created Blurds in the Hood" with another certified guest of the pod, Mr. Winston A. Marshall. Uh, they have a YouTube channel where they talk about pop culture, sports, and politics from a blurred—in case you didn't know—that's a black nerd's
3: perspective. Jay, welcome back, sir. Ah, thanks for having me back. I feel like I'm a certified guest over here. This is yeah. beautiful. I just—do I get a pen or something in the mail? Like a. Easy. We just
2: picked the name and you're already asking for swag.
3: Seriously. <laughs> I feel like that's what you're supposed to do. You're like, uh, I made it right. So It's like, uh, by the way, Jacqueline, uh, that divorce is about to be real ugly. Cause, uh, they even said openly that the only way Aaron Rodgers was coming back is if the GM was fired and they put that on Twitter and they ain't finna just fire dude. So yeah, as a Bears fan, <laughs> bye-bye Aaron. Um, Y'all would need half of our team to shut down for true. y'all to that even make true. it to the
2: playoffs. Just get,
3: just get rid of A.A. Ron. And we just got Justin Fields and life is good. Life I is feel good. like I'm
0: watching Obi-Wan and Anakin getting a fight and they're like, <laughs> yes. wait a minute. But we were friends and now all it's of a okay. sudden we feel differently about this very <laughs> important thing. We're,
2: we're going to get into I'm going to ask Jay, you know, what he feels about. Rotten Tomatoes score for Attack of the Clones is it wrong, but I will just add that the two quarterbacks who have the highest records at Soldier Field are both Packers, and that would be Aaron (laughs) Rodgers and Brett Favre. Just want to remind this uh, Chicago Bears fan that the two quarterbacks that have the highest uh, records at his home this, stadium I don't mean we, this play is for my team. This
3: is just petty, Ryan. <laughs> what like do you think is. about Attack of the Clothes, Jay?
2: <laughs> well, what do you think? Uh, you mean the Attack of
3: the Bears you just did? Jeez, uh, the Attack of the Bears? Uh, as far as, I think it was, man, the score is like, what, 64, 65 with it? It's 65. I personally feel it should be lower because the I was rewatching it again and I was like, oh yeah, the dialogue is one of the things. Like, it just, it's so, ugh. And then there's so much, the overuse of CGI in this, the clone part, I get it. With the clones, I get you gotta use CGI because there's the only way you're gonna make a million something with would be future stormtroopers. But there are so many scenes you just look at poor Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, you're like, oh, they just running by green and blue screens. That's all oh. they doing the whole time. And somebody's telling them, all right, jump down, duck here. Like, is that, and then the, the, oh my God, the conversation after, after, uh, after Padme falls out the ship and, and Anakin's like, stop the ship, we have to save her. And Obi-Wan's like, no, let go of your feelings. Look, at some point, if I'm Anakin, I'm like, hey, man, the hell with the Jedi Order. I'm going to save the woman I love. He was like, you know, after Obi-Wan was like, "Yo, what would Padme do? She would do her duty. No, you love this woman. You jump out. You can float a little bit. Like, ugh. See,
2: this is why you can't save the Republic or the Empire. Mark, what about you? Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong?
0: Oh, boy. This is such a tough question for a diehard Star Wars fan like myself, but... I think that I am going to be in between you and Jay, possibly a little bit, but I don't know if I can get this movie to fresh. So I think Rotten Tomatoes might be a little too positive in the number that is currently represented on a tomato meter. I, I like this movie landing around 57, 58 percent, but there's yep. there's scenes I absolutely adore in this movie and many of them. But overall, I just don't think that it's a fresh movie considering all things.
2: Okay, well, uh, little full disclosure, I saw this movie twice in the theater and I was dating someone at the time and made him take me back because I liked it so much. Um, I liked it way more than Phantom Menace. And I think Rotten Tomatoes is right. I don't think this movie should be certified fresh. I still have eyes and ears, however, It gave me something as a Star Wars fan that I was missing. I saw what they were trying to do. And I think that whenever I look at a movie, I always look at what were the limitations placed on the filmmaker when they were trying to make it. And I know a lot of people like to think, well, they gave George Lucas a whole bunch of money, but... His vision never really matched the technology, but this was the first one that I think got close, where they really got close to what he wanted to achieve matching the technology. I'm a huge fan of world building, and I will forgive poor character development if the world that they're playing in is just so yummy. Mm. And this is such a yummy, yummy world. I love it. It is gorgeous, and there are so many scenes in this for being almost 20 years old that still hold up to the eye, that is an incredible achievement. And I really love it. And it gave me finally a love story that didn't have ickiness to it. <laughs> the Luke Lea love story <laughs> is icky. It is incestuous and weird. A tiny and bit.
0: There's a couple. Just so pictures. not cute.
2: I mean, Listen, but- I love you. I know is so cute, and I'm glad y'all got that moment. But like, it's weird. It's just weird. It's weird. She made out with her brother. It's weird. She
3: didn't Moving, know that was a brother. I mean, like, doesn't we- matter.
2: It does not matter. It's weird. And then anything after this, Raylo, Finn, they they give me Storm Pilot at this point. Just every time they try to do romance in Star Wars, they get it wrong. This was the only one that they got it right because they had to. And I like that. Call me a girl if you want, but. I liked the ambition of it. And this time I felt like the ambition was justified. But that's my opinion. Um, No, I'm not alone because at the time this was rated fresh. And although people to this day, I think want to put it as the lowest and the worst, um, it still held that 65%. And there's two other movies lower than it on the tomato meter. So clearly it's still got something, but don't take my word for it. We're going to bring in our review creation manager and one of my friends who I dearly miss and can't wait till I get to see him back in person, not just on audio. Mr. Tim Ryan and he's going to give us 2 minutes with Tim. Brian Perez, cue the music. 2 minutes with Tim.
1: Thank you, Jacqueline. So when we talked about the Phantom Menace earlier, some of the criticisms of the film were while it looked terrific, the characters were kind of thin and the plot was kind of convoluted. The critics had a lot of those same criticisms when Attack of the Clones came out a couple years later. It looks terrific, the action scenes are exciting, but the characters are thin and the plot is a bit too convoluted. That being said, critics enjoyed this one a lot more than The Phantom Menace. It's at 65% on the meter with 253 reviews, but it still has a 56% audience score, which sort of reflects the fact that the audience may not have been as into it as the critics were. By comparison, The Phantom Menace is at 52% on the Tomato Meter with 233 reviews, and it's got a 59% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Joe Williams of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch wrote, The technical wizardry of the action scenes are ultimately more important than the story and reason enough for non-believers to see and enjoy the movie. On the other hand, in a rotten review, Jack Matthews of the New York Daily News wrote, Lucas's obsession with digital technology has obliterated the saga's last remnants of human purpose and turned his once mesmerizing space opera into a pure dehumanized cartoon. The Rotten Tomatoes Critics' Consensus reads, Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones, benefits from increased emphasis on thrilling action, though they're once again undercut by ponderous plot points and underdeveloped characters. So yeah, that's Attack of the Clones. Back to you, folks. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i don't feel it tim is feeling the love on this one um i already introduced him of sorts and but i want to go ahead and clear something up before we talk about um the movie specific stuff and that is Producy lucy is not with us this this week she's actually out for um i think a week or so but we do have mr christian who was our previous audio operator and edited the podcast he's filling in for producer duties christian how you doing sir Oh, I'm doing good. Hey, hey, everybody.
0: Hey, thanks He's- for uh, tuning in. Rotten tomatoes is wrong. Hey, he loves tomato. being on the mic. Don't worry I him know he really you. does, and that's humble.
2: exactly why I wanted to do it. That level and-
0: of the shock in his voice was like. Uh, hey, he here? does his own show. He has multiple shows that he does. That he's the star of. He he loves the spotlight. Don't let him fool you, kids.
2: I love it. And uh, but also we have a new a new member to our podcast family, and that is Mr. Brian Perez. He's going to be taking over audio and daily sort of producer duties. Brian, come on and say hi, sir. Hey guys,
0: how you guys doing? Fabulous. Yeah. That, see, those, he was ready. He yes. was ready for it. Even soulful tones i've just yeah. been counting down the moments till i get my own personal moment <laughs> an introduction
2: i <laughs> love it uh and again uh much love to lucy we will have her back as soon as possible love you, look lucy. guys it's summer we're all going to be taking vacation I- i'm getting ready to dip out because ward season is over and i'm ready to move on but let's bring it back to attack of the clones jay i mean Did you feel this at the time? Were you immediately against it? And if so, what was the scene? What was the moment that made you be like, nah, this ain't it?
3: So the hardest part is just like everybody else. When you first start watching the prequels is trying to take the original trilogy out your head because you're always going to weigh the two of them together. So I'm watching. I'm like, okay, first of all, I already got this story about Anakin that I really don't care about, whatever. And then I get Hayden Christensen. And then I'm like... Oh, he has zero emotion the whole time. Even being in love with Padme, his face is just like, I love you, Padme. You complete me. It's things like that. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, Natalie Portman out here, like, you're gonna give me an award for this. Hayden Christensen was like, I got a job. Like, that's how I felt watching it then and now.
2: Now What uh Well, hold on. Before we get into the specific movies stuff, what about you, Mark? Were you immediately back then like, uh, eh. Or have no, you come to because
0: I, I can lie to myself for a long time if I need to, and I did that <laughs> with really all three movies that were the prequels up uh, until Revenge of the Sith, where I remember having a beer with my buddy Doug out in L.A., and, and we had grown up together, and we'd seen all the movies together, and we just kind of acknowledged, like, yeah, yeah, episode one and two, eh, but we still loved episode three at the time. We'll talk about that soon. For episode two, the thing that both Phantom Menace and episode two did very well is they left us on such a high note that it doesn't really matter at the time anyway, when you're walking out and you have all this new Star Wars to digest, it doesn't really matter that you had a lot of complaints about the movie, you had to kind of squeeze your butt together to get through a couple scenes. Once you got to those big finales, you just felt Star Wars. And so I think that's the feeling that I had about these movies for a long time. When you go back and watch them multiple times, then that's when the the cracks start to show.
2: Okay, making the case against rewatching movies digging it. No, I'm just <laughs> you, watch it once, you get
0: everything you need. Go hey, on with your work.
2: And this is moving on. All right. Well, we're going to we're going to take it over. I'll just remember what I said. I watched it twice in the theater and you're right. George Lucas knows how to end a movie, man. That movie has a stinger and it's because yep. of the, it has great music, just like mm-hmm. we do. Mr. Brian Perez. cue us up. We're going to break down the specific movie talk section. Cue the music, Brian. Okay, so this is a bit of controversy. Attack of the Clones is higher on the Tomato Meter than the Phantom Menace. We recently posted about this uh, online at RottenTomatoes.com, and man, the number one thing people commented on is how in the world is Attack of the Clones higher than the Phantom Menace? Nobody seemed to disagree with the fact that Rise of Skywalker is the worst.
0: Yeah, I did. Nope. Yeah, I did. <laughs> really? I disagree. Right. I don't think it's the worst.
2: I mean, well, let's just break that down. I mean, so for you, Mark is Phantom Menace worse or better than Attack of the Clones?
0: Yeah, I, I think the easier comparison is episode one and two. Rise of Skywalker actually loved. Um, so th- these two, I feel like it's sort of the same movie. And so are you a little more forgiving that you had uh, a, a child actor and a little bit more Jar Jar? Or are you thinking, okay, well, Hayden Christensen yeah, there's a little wood in there, but is that on him? Did you still buy the romance? Because both of them have those moments I was talking about. It's not just the end of the movie. There's, there's certain scenes that I really look forward to watching when i do check out phantom menace or attack of the clones it really is it's it's like the kentucky derby a few weeks ago this is just by not even a length i'm gonna say phantom menace because i also just have such great memories of of star wars being back in general that there's a scene in episode two that we'll get into in particular that really bothers the hell out of me and it just goes on and on and on. And uh, I I think that's what sinks it a little bit below Phantom Menace for me. Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
1: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
4: I could stay here forever.
1: Carvana. Carvana. Where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows
2: of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping
1: dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com
2: slash Wondery. Mm, what about you, Jay?
3: They gave Jar Jar Binks way too much to do in episode two. They made <laughs> Jar Jar be the person to speak in front of the Senate to say that we should give chance, we should get Palpatine's about pal- miss. I think we should, hey, bro, you should not be like, give him some audio subtitles or something, like give him cue cards, don't have him talk. But <laughs> I agree with Mark, like in, in The Phantom Minutes, there are some things you're like, okay, we're seeing the beginning of all this. But again, it, yeah, it, there is a difference with a child actor. And yeah, I was watching your face, Jacqueline, when Mark brought up how wooden he could be Hayden Christensen and it may not be his choice, but, I really don't believe that George Lucas was like, I need you to be like this straw.
1: I'd much rather dream about Padme. Just being around her again is intoxicating. Be mindful of your thoughts, Anakin. They betray you. You've made a commitment to the Jedi Order, a commitment not easily broken. And don't forget,
2: she's a politician and they're not to be trusted.
3: You I just don't think he gave
2: him much direction at all. I mean, look, I'm not trying to defend or whatever, but George Lucan was, was not necessarily known as the most pathos actorly driven director in the world. This is true. Like, I don't really know if he's the type of director that can pull you aside. I talked to so many actors when I interview them, it's like they said one thing and I knew exactly how to make the scene work. George is not that kind of director to me. He seems the type of director where they're staring at a bunch of green and he's gonna spend eight years describing what they're actually supposed to be looking at that they can't actually see, but not enough time. But if you look carefully, and why I wanna defend Hayden Christensen. First of all, if you haven't seen Shattered Glass, please do so, Hayden Christensen can act when given good direction, in my personal opinion. That is a a great film, Um, and he's actually, I think, good in Jumper. That was another film that didn't get its due as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when he's looking in Natalie Portman's eyes, and I think the distractions of everything around them has has washed over him, you can see him really giving actorly-type performances. When those two are really locked in, and he's able to just, you know, look at her the way they do when they're about to go to die. And she says, I, I love you, too. Come on. And the music plays and the two young people are about to die. But they know. But, you know, they're not because, you know, they're not. But you know that this is the moment that you've been waiting for. Mm. I, I'm sorry. My heart still swelled. I love you.
1: You love me. I thought that we had decided not to fall in love, that we would be forced to live a lie and that it would destroy our lives.
3: I think our lives are about to be destroyed anyway.
2: Also, I will just also add, people forget. Tom Holland talked about this, how Jake Gyllenhaal has been acting since he was a kid, but when he was in Spider-Man, that was the first time he did one of those CGI movies, and he didn't know what he was doing. He mm-hmm. literally said to Tom Holland, he's like, I don't know how to do this. This is weird. How, what, that's a tennis ball. This is not normal. And he, this is a guy that, you know, is, I think, Oscar caliber actor in a lot of ways, and he had trouble with it. And this was one of the first times that happened. Not everybody's able to turn off their brain and give it when you're staring at nothing but tennis balls.
0: I think that's why these scenes that, that I, I know that, that I highlight in this are more of the Star Warsy, you know, battle kind of things than yeah. it is the interpersonal, just because I just didn't buy into the interpersonal as much. It's not that I totally dislike it. I, I don't dislike the romance in Star Wars. I find it necessary, especially when you're talking about Anakin and Padme, because we know they had a couple babies that are a little important to the universe. And so... I I like that. It's just that it's so much to get over. Whereas, you know, if I watch Yoda ignite that lightsaber, it's just all good. It is Yeah, just,
2: talk about that scene, because I remember oh, that. The I theater like that scene. went the theater it, went nuts when that the scene. The theater happened. went
0: crazy. And I remember seeing it. My brother and I went to go see Attack of the Clones. Opening night, and the next day, we were like, We told my parents, who I was a big Star Wars fan, it's like, Y'all gotta go see this. So then the next day, it was it was all five of us, all five of the family going to see it. And I will never forget the theater going crazy and how excited my dad got. Cause I just looked over at my dad and he just had this giant smile on his face. And the scene is Yoda versus Count Dooku at the end. And mm-hmm. and up to this point, we had seen Yoda in the Phantom Menace and obviously in the classic trilogy, but we had never seen him do anything. We'd never seen him light up a lightsaber. We know he's this, this famous Jedi, but at some point it's like, hey, there's a war going on. We need all Jedi hands on deck.
4: obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the Force, but by our skills with a lightsaber.
0: And to watch Yoda light up that lightsaber and to see all the flips that he does, it was like the Old West. And it was like watching Doc Holliday, somebody who's sort of limping around until they have to get into action. And he turns into this incredible martial artist doing all these sorts of moves, and Dooku can barely keep up with him. This is Christopher Lee we're talking about. This is Dracula. Yeah. This is dude from Lord of the Rings. This guy knows swordplay mm-hmm. as, a, as a real person. And so watching him go at Yoda, it was just so great. And then Yoda turning off the lightsaber, and then instantly getting the cane back and it was like anybody who challenges that scene (laughs) I I will tell you watch any NBA player walking into or out of an arena after the game when they're on the court they're running they're jumping they're dunking as soon as they're done with the work they are taking their time they are relaxing they are just slow striding in and out of the arena because they're conserving their energy I love that Yoda used the force to get the cane and he's walking off into the sunset that theater experience one of my all-time favorites he had I that agree. grunt Yoda had that grunt after he got the K he was like
3: ugh yep, I was like yep. bro you just got done flipping and twirling and just giving him the business <laughs> but then you, ugh I was like okay also,
2: little shade to um, Hayden Christensen, who in the earlier part of the movie when he was being braggadocious was like, I think I'm as good as Master Yoda. I'm like, your arm begs to differ, dude. <laughs>
0: that, yep.
3: that nub you have at the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> J- uh,
2: Jay, what about you? What's What's the scene that, that did it for you? I- I'm hoping in a good way.
3: Okay, it is. It's a good scene. The scene when you see the assassination attempt on Padme. Yeah. And you first have, you have, uh, you have Anakin and Obi they're talking and then Anakin is like, and I was like, I sense it too. And then all of a sudden, everything plays and you just see Obi-Wan just dive out the window. No, like, thought. No, no thought. No thought. Just go. It just dives and just perfectly lands. And then you have the incident because it follows. And then the speeder is, and then you have Obi-Wan just drop and perfectly land on the speeder. And Anakin was like, I was trying to find a speeder that was fast enough, you know, that had good hole. I was like, Okay, this is a good scene. This because yeah. it kept going, it kept moving. And again, it's like Mark said earlier. It's that Star Wars feel you have with it. But it was something with that too. Again, it was like this, just that dive, just no thought, just yahoo out the window. I was like, that was one of my scenes. But again, I agree too with Mark's scene, because again, Christopher Lee was out here twirling
0: that lightsaber, bro. It was like, We only matched by lightsabers. So I was like, oh, okay, sir. And that scene that Jay's talking about, too, the reason why I love that scene. See, this is a love fest for Jay and I because there are things that we love about this movie. And one of them is we finally get to see what Obi-Wan Kenobi was talking about in Episode 4 when he's first describing to Luke about his father being killed by Darth Vader at the time from a certain point of view. And he's also talking about the Force and he's talking about um, how he used to be really good friends with Luke's dad. And he smiles and it's like he's reflecting on all these great times they had. And that was the first glimpse of these great times that they're talking about where they had all these cool adventures and they really got along. And it was a fun buddy cop movie. So to see that play out on screen, that's something I was waiting for my literally my entire life to see.
2: Yeah, I will say this, too, um, about like, again. The romance gets its short shift from some people, um, but in my personal opinion, the problem is, is a lot of the great moments with the romance are preceded by cringe. And the number one cringiest moment, sand, it gets everywhere, it's coarse and it's rough. Yeah, I get it, it's bad. Like I did hit Disney Plus, like fast forward, a couple times on that moment. I, I couldn't watch it again. However, Following that moment and in that scene is partially why I do love this movie. First of all, the backdrop is gorgeous. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's completely CGI or partial CGI, but that is like, what eat it up. Love it. And Padme's dress and just how she is on Naboo, sort of like letting it go. You see how she was... You know, she, she talks about it, you know, she was raised to be a politician from a very young age. And honestly, this is probably one of the few moments with a death threat where she can literally just be like, the only thing I gotta worry about is staying alive. So I'm going to enjoy this moment and I'm going to let the hair down a little bit and I'm going to have the white flowy dress that the Anakin just slightly rubs. It, it, it's like in Pride and Prejudice when um, Mr. Bingley holds on to Jane's ribbon. It's just a slight little thing that makes you understand the depths of the feeling between these people and and that kiss. That kiss is so great. Like I feel it. The scoring underneath it is incredible. Some of the best stuff that John Williams does in the Star Wars universe is either longing or love. Those are the best parts of every score. Don't get me wrong, we all love the Empire's thing. We all love mm-hmm. the one. But the best music, in my personal opinion, that is throughout the Star Wars universe is when it is underscoring longing or love. So I'm talking Binary Sunset, I Love You, I Know, and then this moment as well. So I do live for that with this one. And it, it it's one of the reasons why I honestly really do like this movie. I can not excuse some of this dialogue and definitely not a lot of the acting, but When those two kids are on screen, I just I'm happy for them. I'm happy for their little moment happiness because we all know it's going to end tragically. We know this is not going to end well. So give them their Romeo and Juliet (laughs) star crossed moments. And we'll talk about this in the in the behind the scenes stuff. That's what he was going for. He was going for Shakespearean. He didn't have the dialogue to match his intentions. That was and, the problem.
0: Yeah, and and it was. It, 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 I'm I'm glad that we brought up his injury uh, at the end of the movie because dude, Anakin gets his arm chopped off, and at, I mean we're Star Wars fans, so we're expecting a hand Maybe a foot. We're expecting a whole arm. And so when you're watching those love scenes play out, you're thinking, okay, well, I know we got episode three, and that's going to be the one where it gets really dark. So we probably just have the rest of this movie to enjoy our relationship. And it's like, okay, but it's still Star Wars. And so we get these nice, quiet moments. But when you have one of those in Star Wars, relish every second of it because it's about to pick up. There's about to be battle swords drawn, and somebody's losing something. As a part yeah. of their body. Can I ask you
3: guys a question? What did you think about the, the scene when they were sentenced to death?
0: Where they were sentenced to gladiator
3: pits and it was just them, Jacqueline? You just, <laughs> I
2: love it. I love that scene. I love when they're on the little speeder yeah. and she finally tells him she loves him. Bitch. That's what, that's what romance novels were made for. And I've read way too many of them not to live for that moment. I'm sorry.
3: I will admit, I like the part how when <laughs> you have Anakin looking at Obi-Wan, basically like, what are we going to do? Obi-Wan is like, just be calm. He's like, well, what about Padme? He look over like, no, she good. She good. <laughs> She all yeah. the way up top on an obelisk. She like, she, she good. She freaking out. She all right. Like, damn. Like, there were just so many things, again. But that's, again, the over... Like, I get you had to use CGI heavy to create all these monsters. So it now makes you wonder, like, What were the actors seeing? Were they seeing somebody in a giant,
0: you know, suit? Or were they just like, hey, play with your imagination in this moment? Yeah. And that's a scene that bothers me. That's one that I referenced is, is that whole arena battle scene to me. It felt so like it just felt so artificial And so like a video game, not even a video game. It's like I was watching a Saturday morning cartoon with those Mm. effects. And so were they revolutionary? Yes. But even at the time you're watching, you're like, okay, it's a revolution in in digital effects. Cool. It doesn't look real at all. And it's like, what happened to all those cool battles with real monsters that we got in the classic trilogy and we'll get more into it behind the scenes. That is the scene that really takes me out. And that's probably the scene that sinks Attack of the Clones a little bit below Phantom Menace in that Padre scene for me.
2: I will say this about that scene. I like the lead up to it as far as the preamble. Mm -hmm. But also I will admit with Attack of the Clones is it's also uh, John Carter from Mars. This is the movie that is most, in my opinion, ripped directly from the John Carter things uh, with the princess in peril and all of that. And unfortunately when George is robbing from the source material, he's worse at it than the last season of Game of Thrones. Like he really does need an editor because <laughs> he fell in love with that shot, with the idea of having this grand lightsaber battle because the idea of is like, yeah, the Jedi aren't, aren't an army, but if they had to attack on a large scale, what would it look like? I can see that being something that as a filmmaker, you're like, gimme, gimme, gimme. You need an editor to be like, you gotta kill that darling, George. Sorry, I know you like this shot, but it doesn't fit. You need yeah. to make it a more simple battle with less stakes. I in love that. the
0: idea of it. I, I, I love the the scope of what they were trying to do. And, and it felt like they were going for what we saw three years ago, pulled off tremendously with Gladiator. But... Even with Gladiator, like with that tiger, it that 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 looks so much more real and just felt so much more grittier and like boots mm-hmm. on the ground the that original been better. trilogy than this. Day. That
2: would have been better. That would have yeah. been so much better if they would have had a battle like that. You can still have the the Yoda Dooku fight at the end. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get it. The movie's called Attack of the Clones, the clones have to attack, but it, it just could have been done. The way that they did it with that did not make sense.
3: Especially right. with that, like, six, le- eight-legged creature that Obi-Wan dissects, and it just looks so terrible. Him cutting off a leg, and then cutting off... So you're like, this just looks bad. And it was
2: cheesy, but I did like the little animal rights moments when the dudes that are like poking the animals oh, yeah. are the first ones that they attack. I did dig that a little and bit. And I then the one animal
3: jumps back and gets dude that was poking him was like, I bet you won't poke nobody else. Like, yeah, oh, okay. literally. I like, like, I like I that
0: remember. because it, it was a little less hit you over the head with it than uh, than what we got with The Last Jedi with that <laughs> don't hurt animals kind of thing yeah but, oh my god. yeah I mean I mean yeah. look, look but there are scenes in this still like because like, that's such a huge battle and I just see so many flaws in it but like the Django Fett versus Obi-Wan in the rain that is that is Star Wars man I, I mean y- y- you have you have a cool natural element like a storm you have a lightsaber going at it and in the trailer when we saw that we all thought that was Boba Fett We're like oh my god that's Boba Fett and then you do some like, yeah it's probably his Boba Fett's daddy or some mother mandalorian to see there was jango fett and to see that backstory i thought was pretty cool
2: also yeah we didn't talk about this but i did want to mention it real quick before we go into the behind the scenes talk which is i did also love with the jango fett boba fett you know he wanted a son there's mm-hmm. a certain level of loss longing and anger behind the boba fett story that we don't get explored uh mm. up until that moment and then Planting the seeds for what we eventually get to with something like The Mandalorian. I, I do love how, as we continue to play in these universes, we can still have things that surprise us if they're done correctly, if they're done artfully with people like Jon Favreau and Robert Rodriguez. But when they're done, I think with a little too much ego and not enough humility, where they think they just know better because they do, I don't know.
3: We do also got to talk real quick. The Django Fett makes Windu fight. Y'all got to give Samuel L. Jackson his flowers on this one.
2: Yes, absolutely. Samuel L. Jackson
3: got to get his flowers. Like, we talked about the Dooku Yoda fight. We talked about the Obi-Wan Jango fight. We talked about all this other stuff. But Samuel L. Jackson swinging the purple grape swisher lightsaber is arguably one of the greatest things you see because it's just he flows so naturally with it.
2: Mm-hmm. You can see
3: it's like he's like, This is what I'ma do, this is how I'm gonna do it. And so I'm like, you I'm make sure we not we don't go through out there all this whole episode without giving Sam Jackson his props and his flowers. Yeah. No, so Mr I, Jackson I love his you hear grip. it.
0: Yeah, the the way the way that he wields a lightsaber is so baseball to me. He's just got that classic like Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron swing, and and that's what chops off the head of Jango Fett. And so that scene would have been so much cooler if we didn't have all this other you know CGI monster crap going on at the same time. I, I think I would have felt that scene more if I wasn't distracted by all the other nonsense going on. But I, it, we had the nonsense for a reason. It just it it didn't pull off the magic trick for me.
2: Yeah, no, uh, agreed. They didn't pull off the magic trick. And I-, I will say it again with some of these auteur directors, you need an editor. You need somebody to tell you that's not great. And when you give somebody unlimited power and the ability to sort of call their own shots, you end up with somebody that maybe doesn't have pers- uh, perspective on what's the best idea in the room. So that- that's my personal opinion, which is not hard. He had people, you know, lauding him as one of the greatest sci-fi directors for three decades. And he could just live in that moment. So of course, he's probably thinking that his ideas work. And honestly, I just remember all those interviews of George being like, nope, we're done. Nope, we're done. Nope, we're done. (laughs) And I think he forgot why he said that is the reason why he even came back to this. And I think he, you know, obviously, you know, he sold the franchise not long after this. There was a reason for that. Um, Let's go ahead and take it to the behind the scenes stuff, which we can delve in more deeply, especially like George's ambitions with this movie and what worked and what didn't. So, uh, Brian, cue us up. So there was this if there was hate towards George Lucas after Phantom Menace there it was cemented with this movie <laughs> and a lot of, with a lot of people. Um I don't know. Did, did you guys what did you think of the effects looking back on it? And and Mark I'll start with you. How did you feel they held up?
0: I think they're the weakest of the 3 I thought that at the time and I thought that the classic trilogy taught us that sometimes when a filmmaker does get handcuffed two things can happen that are good. One is that they have to use their imagination and think their way out of this box that they're trapped in, which is what we saw more with Episode Four and New Hope. And then with Empire Strikes Back, and especially with Return of the Jedi, what we saw is them having to make a technological revolution very quickly. And in that case, it was more practical effects and how you film it. And that's why Return of the Jedi and those space battles look so good and, in my opinion, hold up to this day with the more digital and CGI revolution of the prequels, I just feel like they weren't able to get to where it looked realistic enough. And it's not that it can totally sink a movie for me because I get it. We're, we're just watching a magician pull off a bunch of tricks and you hope that they stick the landing on all of them. But it really did take me out of the movie. And, and it still does. It's just a scene where I just feel nothing. And a lot of that is because it doesn't look realistic to me. And, and one of the things that they did, even in those scenes where I couldn't really tell what was off about the interpersonal connection between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman or whoever it is, some of that is just because the way that they filmed it was so hyper high def that they used filters to soften the look. And it's just this weird sort of like Instagram filter that you're watching this movie through. And you're like, okay, well, is that because all of this background is fake? Or is that, what is that? And it just, it feels a little, there's an artificial facade to this movie where it just feels like I'm never quite there with the action.
2: Boo, boo this man. <laughs> I was <just> kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I, you know, fair point. It. Fair point. There were definitely moments watching it last night where I was like, hmm. Even squinting, this doesn't look good. I think there's more good in this movie than the bad, Mm -hmm. personally. I think there's more good in the CGI than the bad. And I think this movie has way more CGI than people clock. What about you, Jay?
3: I think the CGI, because of it being a new toy, it was a shiny new toy that George Lucas got to play with. And because it's like, I get this shiny new toy that I started out with in, in The Phantom Menace, that now I get to use even more in depth for attack of the clones. And I didn't have it for the first trilogy. So now everything in a grand scape that I want to do, that my mind sees that again, like you said earlier, Jacqueline, I have unlimited power. Now, nobody's going to tell me I'm right or wrong. I can make it happen. I know I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. And so that's what you're seeing. And so you have a lot of CGI scenes. Again, the clone fight at the you know with the Django Fett and Mace Windu where you have all the clones with the R2-D2 where his head is on one of the clone bodies and the rest of his body is down there. You're like, oh, come on. For real? For real? Come on. Because you can just see how bad it gets at points. And again, it's that the director had this unlimited... He had a shiny new toy. His new toy is CGI. It's like somebody told him, we can make your world what you couldn't do in the original trilogy. We can expand it. And he was like, wait, you can. So you mean to tell me you can do this and this at the same time? Yeah. And that's what happens.
2: Yeah. No, I don't disagree. Um, it's so interesting, too, when you look back on it, too, from the people involved in this one. And again, uh, Natalie Portman was just fine, but she was also just fine before that, Um but Hayden, man, this this was this was again. I I I go back to it, and you can you can watch uh, the video that we have on Rotten Tomatoes on Fandom. You know, this kind of ruined his career for a long time, and and not just from a hey you can't get cast standpoint, which I think there was a lot of that, but also from a like I don't necessarily want people even knowing I was involved in this because of how much hate. I mean, Hayden Christensen, um, thanks Mark uh, Hoffmeyer researchers for reminding of this. He did Star Wars Celebration for this movie and then didn't do anything with Star Wars for 20
0: years. Right. And right. then in wow.
2: 2020, I think, he was, came back.
0: It was, uh, it was Orlando, I believe, in yep, yep. 2017. 17. 17. Yeah, At yeah, that yeah, 17. Star Wars Celebration uh, where Christian Rubelkopp and I were roommates. Um, ah. We went to that panel, um, like the 40th anniversary panel, and... We knew that there was a chance. It was still rumored. I don't even know if it was confirmed that Hayden Christensen was going to come on stage. And I remember talking to all of our our, our buddy uh, uh, Ken Napsack, and he's like, "Look, if, if he comes on stage, I'm giving him standing ovation." And so did everyone else in that room, just yeah. because you you appreciate what he did do for Star Wars, and more so, you appreciate what he probably went through personally. It's the same reason why I'd get on both feet if I saw Jake Lloyd be introduced, because you yeah. know what that person went through as a result of playing this character that we love, and probably. A A lot of things that they went through were from the very people in that room standing up and applauding him now. And so it's more like if a retired athlete, like number four in Green Bay, uh, maybe there's some hard feelings when they retire. But then after a while, you have to let everything soften and say, hey, thanks for what you did do for this.
2: So long as he's not tweeting or playing golf with certain people, I will let it happen. But even me, I'm I'm like, I'm glad you throw the football, but you need to. Keep stop it just silent, to, Mr. Just stop to football,
0: uh, and show up to the park with Jerry Rice and hustle some old guys. But that's seriously,
2: it. seriously. Let's go. But the one thing I will say um, about the Hayden Christensen thing too is, and this is also from Mark, it, it, he he could have come out really negatively against the franchise. Both him and Ahmed, the guy that voiced Jar Jar mm-hmm. Binks, yeah. they suffered a bit in silence. And that was the other thing that I found to be interesting because Jake Lloyd didn't. He was very open with how he was angry that these basically adults were picking on a nine-year-old kid and, and and for shame for them to do so, and he was right. But because of it, the vitriol came to him even more. Hayden Christensen just took it. He went about his way. He made his own way as far as a different type of career, maybe not the career that even he thought he intended. I mean, look at how Star Wars has catapulted other people. Now, mm-hmm. um, and then think about what he was probably thinking being cast in that versus what the reality was. And he never let himself become bitter with it. I'm glad to see that he's coming back. He's gonna be in the new Obi Wan series. Like, this is gonna be, I think, a, a great full circle moment. And I'm really happy for him coming back into the fold in a way that, you know, he deserved, he didn't deserve any of the treatment that he got, but I'm glad that um, he got it. Also, back in 2002, um, I think it was like freshman or sophomore year of college for me um i was the biggest in sync head out there shout out to jc Chazé because justin timberlake is still mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't like him back then i don't know why people wow. say that if jt was your favorite in we knew you weren't r- a real fan Just this jc had the real voice he had the things they jc was one of the in syncers that showed up on the set of attack of the clones and actually made it uh into the movie it was really? i think I think it was JC, Lands and and uh, and no, JC, uh, Joey Fatone, and Chris Kirkpatrick. Basically the older of the members. Insinkers, the older members were the mm-hmm. ones that decided to go ahead and show up and they were actually stormtroopers, which was like hugely controversial. But now you have like William and Harry being stormtroopers, you have Daniel Craig showing up. Like get over it, man, they're in a mask. But yeah, that was like a big thing. <laughs>
3: That was how they gonna be stormtroopers and I can't see you don't see nobody's face Shout I mean out. seriously
2: <laughs> like it's better than when Ed Sheeran showed up on Game of Thrones yes I'm still I'm on Game of Thrones I'm like but let's be honest they just announced new uh, Game of Thrones news recently and I'm just like I don't trust y'all no more
0: I mean, look, and with Star Wars, because they also recently announced or we at least hear that there's a new slate of movies coming out that's going to be every two years starting in in 2023, in addition to all the Disney Plus content. But like these prequels were didn't we we, even though we love them and we knew that we had episode three coming out in a couple of years, this was going to be the end of Star Wars. And so yeah. that's why, like, I always tell Star Wars fans today, hey, look, kids, in the 90s, we, we had to read it, okay? We, we couldn't yeah. uh, see it or, or have it read to us, like, Audible now. We had to actually go do the work. And then we got these new movies. But after Revenge of the Sith, we thought we were done, like, forever. Yeah. And it was just, that's all we got. Because like, so... If- you can yeah. you can be a fan yeah, and you can get mad at whatever a little petty or giant things that you may have against the sequel trilogy or whatever shows are currently airing. But at the end of the day, now we live in a day and age where there's always going to be a new Star Wars project on the horizon. That was not the case. And so I think part of the reason why I had blinders up to episode two for a long time is because, hey, I'm taking in every opportunity to love Star Wars. I can because I don't know how many I'm going to have left.
2: Yeah also too i also want to add with this uh, on the new series um i'm also really excited with some of the filmmakers that are getting involved uh, kevin feige is going to be doing uh, a film uh taika watiti is doing a film which i am so excited about and the one that i want and i don't i doubt he's listening to this but i, I will maybe add him on this one taika do do the high republic him <laughs> doing the haves and the have-nots some upstairs downstairs the people who are literally like in the the biggest part of the of the republic when it was at the highest point, when with the milady and the aristocracy, but also showing the people who were left uh, out of that, like mm-hmm. the rose ticos of the world, showing that sort of. Dichotomy is what I think Taika would do incredible with, like a Parasite-style film with Jedis and stuff like that where it shows the inequality of the imp- of the Republic. Oh, man, Taika, please do it. Just please do it. Please, please, please do it. And make it funny. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. That's my pitch for him. He's probably got a much better idea. Uh, he brought Natalie Portman back to the Thor franchise, so I do think the man can literally, literally uh, do anything. Mark... Do you have trivia for us this week? Oh, I
0: boy. do. We I do have trivia. Which right, members so... of In Sync? Oh no! Wait, ah! we already asked that. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> Before we get to the trivia, though, just kind of final thoughts. Um, I want to know. A lot of people say it's the worst. I obviously don't. I personally think Rise of Skywalker is the worst in the trilogy, in the franchise by a mile. But I'm curious, Jay, what is what is the worst one for you?
3: Oh, it is between Attack of the Clones and Rise of Skywalker. It's just a matter of which one. How do I feel on what day? I'm not going to even lie to you. Depends on how I feel on what day. Which one goes 9 or 10, if you can put it like that. Which one goes 9, which one goes 10? Um, again, knowing what uh, my hopes and dreams and aspirations arise of, of Skywalker, I was just, I literally left the theater going, well, it's a movie. That's literally how I left the theater. I was like, it's a movie. That didn't mean it was good at all. With Attack of the Clones, I had so much hope. And then I was like, this is, this is a lot and nothing. So... If we're going by whatever day it
0: is, today's Attack of the Clones is worse. It's a real tough comparison to make, too, because Rise of Skywalker, you're looking at this to be a bookend, not just for that sequel trilogy, but for, for all of the movies, for the entire yeah. Skywalker saga. And I thought it did a magnificent job of encapsulating all of those emotions that I had since I started watching Star Wars. With Attack of the Clones, you could watch it and you could say, oh, I don't know about that scene or that scene, but hey, how about Yoda versus Dooku? And oh no, Anakin got his arm cut off. He's going to be super mad. And you have Revenge of the Sith to sort of be like, okay, well, that movie is going to make these last two movies that we saw even better and even more impactful. Whether that happened or not is beside the point. It's that you walk out of Attack of the Clones and you start talking, about okay, what's going to happen in the next one? You didn't have that opportunity with Rise of Skywalker. It was just everything was done, and so walking out of Attack of the Clones was still a really cool feeling for me. I still think it's just it's a little bit below what we got with the Phantom Menace, and certainly below, even though I do have some issues that we will talk about when we talk about Revenge of the Sith with Episode Three. So I, I, I think Attack of the Clones is the weakest of the nine.
2: Ah, uh, well, I disagree. It's just like your The Star Wars man. holiday <laughs>
0: special in '78's worse. if that makes anybody. True. Don't do this. I think we Don't can do a, this. Don't do this. We can all Don't agree on this.
2: that. We can <laughs> all agree on that. Uh all right. Well, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh bring out the trivia Mr. Mark before we let Jay get out of here and say our goodbyes. But uh what do you got?
0: This is a fun one because it's sort of a two-parter. First of all, I want to talk about this film and when it was released in the year 2002. A lot of big movies came out that year, and so I'm going to give you all three movies. Only three movies did better than Attack of the Clones that year in 2002. If you can name any of the three movies worldwide we're talking, I will give you a uh, certified fresh pin and pennant for you to put up in your room, looking more at UJ Washington. Because I know you. I know.
3: know. So I had to win. I had to win the pin. I thought I earned it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm we'll not movie man's. So I got nothing. Start. with Yeah. Jay. I'm not.
3: I'm not Scott Mans. Okay. Know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you all the
0: three movies, and then you have to put them in order. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have Spider Man, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and The Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Those are the only three movies that worldwide did better then Attack of the Clones. So put the Two Towers, Spider-Man, and the Chamber of Secrets in order one to three.
2: I do believe Two Towers was like a record.
3: Yeah, so I was going to say that's number one for sure. Spider-Man seemed to be revolutionary, so I kind of want to go Spider-Man 2, then Harry Potter.
2: See, I would wanna go Spider-Man less because what I remember with the first Spider-Man is it was good, but it was Spider-Man 2 that made the money money.
3: Yeah, 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 uh, but, but it doesn't, yeah, that's true, but Spider-Man 2 doesn't make money without Spider-Man 1, but still, that that goes without saying. Mm.
2: And then, right. and the other one is is it still a sequel. Like, I feel like at this point, the sequels were always like going higher for the most part of these franchises. Whatever, I'm doing Spider-Man 3. I think I'm wrong, but I'm going to do Spider-Man 3.
0: Okay,
3: Jay? I'm doing Lord of the Rings for sure, because Lord of the Rings, I remember The Two Towers was an event.
2: Yeah, same. Lord of the Rings, number one, we both agree, but I think... that's an
3: event. I'm going to go Spider-Man,
0: Harry Potter for me. Okay. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers was number one, coming in at under a billion dollars worldwide, but not by much. It made over $900 million. Number two... Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets with just under $900 million. And then Spider-Man doing over $800 million worth of business worldwide. This is the reason why Chris Columbus has a career though too. I want to be really clear about this because I remember those
2: movies made more money than God.
0: He made a lot of money with those. The only movie or the first movie I should say released that year that was not part of a bigger franchise or a sequel. So like I'm not counting Spider-Man was actually Signs. Signs came out oh, that year wow, and really? did very up, well. Man. Ice Age kicked off that franchise then. My Big Fat Greek Wedding and Minority Report also did very well that year. So it eh, was quite a year at the box oh, office. Minority,
3: minority Report, the precogs, the pulling stuff in. Oh, God. Hey, it
2: was Samantha cool. Morton. I love Samantha Morton. And she's in that one. And she's great. Yeah.
0: I was also going to ask. There's only one other movie of Hayden Christensen's that is fresh on the tomato meter. He's got Shattered. Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones and he's only got one other movie that's fresh on the tomato meter.
2: Shattered Glass.
0: It is Shattered Glass. Yeah. It's very good. And I see Hayden good. Christensen occasionally at my shake place in uh, the valley. So, really? walk in, see a see a Jedi Knight. It's pretty exciting.
2: <laughs> he's got a connection to Bill Hader.
3: Because,
0: well, we know how Jacqueline feels about that, ladies and gentlemen. This- <laughs> Jay, the game that Jacqueline plays on weekends is Six Degrees of Bill it's Hader. Bill Hader. <laughs> and do I know anyone within these six degrees?
2: By the way, his producing partner and the guy that he wrote Barry with follows me now on Twitter, so I can't talk about Bill Hader anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't because they're like shooting the show now. So if I go on there with my like thirst. And yeah. love and affection and how my sexual orientation is his new jacket. He can show it to him. Like, I, know. I liked the fact I mean, that he just was not on Twitter. Thank like you,
3: hey, hey, Bill. Thank hey, you. Bill. You no. like hey, Bill. You see this next Bill. thing? You know, Jacqueline. Next thing you know, you got a DM from Bill, and you're like.
2: He's oh not on God. Twitter. That you was have, the joy that, of that, thirsting that's, over that's, him. He was what you not think? on Twitter.
3: Look, I, Hayden Critchison, let, I mean, not Hayden Christensen. Andrew Garfield just recently yeah. let everybody know that he watches Twitter without being on Twitter. He yep. has a burner account. So yep. don't be I found be out surprised. my mom does.
0: My mom does the same thing. Andrew Garfield, my mom, and probably Bill Hader. So and Jacqueline, probably Bill Hader. While yeah. they are shooting their show, you should be shooting your shot. You do yes. you online. And you get Bill Hader to pay attention to you. He'll come on the show. I'll be very nice. I mean, I'll chaperone. I, I won't get away. I want him to come
2: on the show. But yeah, Alec Berg, uh, who's also like Seinfeld and uh, Parks and... He's, was he Parks and Recs or 30 Rock? One of them. He's a very talented writer, done a ton of stuff. And they created Barry together. And he now follows me on Twitter. And so I shut down all of my Bill Hader thirst because he can show it to him. And I know okay. that shit is funny. I've built an entire... Online persona around thirsting hey, over this forty-three-year-old white man who doesn't know me. I don't know, know why
3: you think now. I don't know why you think now is the time to stop. Like the internet isn't forever, and like somebody can't just <laughs> Google <laughs> Bill Hader tweets and it just number thirty-seven tweets from Jacqueline 30. Coley. Oh, at, you were being at the so middle. nice. No, no, I'm using it at the low end. At thirty-seven low end. just start out just like wait. So nobody else was talking about me, but her. Like you think. The-
2: I want him to do thirst tweets so bad. I think one of my tweets is if he doesn't use one of mine uh, for thirst tweets, if he ever does it, it's a hate crime. And I will lodge it with BuzzFeed as such. All right, we're going to get out of here. This is not supposed to be like a Bill hater thing. <laughs>
0: That took the place of mailbag this week. We're, we're, we're just doing a little bit of Jacqueline's laundry in public. Yeah, and, uh, this is
2: exactly it. We're just going to honestly, Lucy is going to be so mad because she has begged me for 30 episodes to talk about Bill Hader. And the first time I talk about it is when she's not here. But hey, Lucy, sorry. This is a shout out to you. This is my gift to you, ma'am. We I know love she's you, Lucy. listening. And you, yes. you all
0: can email us and we might yes. read an email on a future show when we're not yeah. thirsting over our celebrity crushes at <laughs> RT is wrong. At Rotten Tomatoes.com. That's RT is wrong at Rotten Tomatoes.com.
2: Yes. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, like um, everywhere you can. And also, Jay, Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. It is always good to have you on the podcast. It is always fun. Uh, what are you working on, sir, besides being awesome?
1: Well,
3: uh, listening. besides bro- moving. Besides moving, yeah, that's what I'm doing Oh, currently. you moving? Yeah, Oof. I'm moving. That's why my background has no comic book posters. That's why it's just the wall. Like, normally yeah. I have the posters and everything, so it's that. But uh, normally, blurts in the Hood every Tuesday and Thursday with me and Winston A. Marshall, uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. on the East Coast on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash in the Hood. Like this Jacqueline said earlier, we talk about pop culture, sports, entertainment, news, politics, and a whole lot more from a blurred perspective. And we are unapologetically black. So yeah, get it. Want to check that? Uh, the Mad <laughs> Titan podcast, everywhere you get your podcast from. I get you caught up on all the things happening in the Marvel and DC live action cinematic universes. It's a barbershop talk for nerds. Um, what else is there? I'm the commissioner of the movie trivia schmodown now, so that's a thing. Oh
0: boy, we're so. Yeah. Wait a minute. Thrilled. They
2: gave you power. Who did yes. this?
0: Yes, you're um, talking about. You- unlimited power you're talking about palpatine taking over the senate yes this is what power is like. what grace and jay are doing right now it's, it's uh, just
3: glorious anyway yeah. uh, so the part of that um i will be doing a bunch of stand-up shows both virtually and in person now because you know Whee! you've been vaccinated since march so i'm i'm safe um i'm safe so yeah just make sure you stay tuned to my twitter and instagram at mr j washington i'll have all info posted there
2: Alright, Jay, real quick, give us a, a recommendation of something folks should be watching, uh, movie or TV.
3: Invincible. Check out the Invincible mm. Comic Series on Amazon Prime. Uh let me let you know ahead of time. If you are squeamish, this is not for your kids. <laughs> this is not Invincible is not Don't it is let based it. on is based on a very, 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 very violent comic book. And so <laughs>
2: you
0: yeah. Yeah, just got picked up for uh, seasons two Season and three, two. right? Yeah. So
2: Stephen Young, yeah,
0: yeah Stephen uh, Young, J.K.
3: Simmons, and Sandra Oh.
2: There you go. Very, very awesome cast involved with that one. Which yeah. I guess, based on how awesome it is, that's another certified fresh favorite. I don't normally do a recommendation, um, and people that know me know that me and animation have a weird history, like especially when it's geared to kids. But the Mitchells versus the Machines is probably the best movie I've seen in twenty in twenty twenty one. That movie is incredible. It's on Netflix. Danny McBride. Um, one of the girls from uh, Broad City Abbey. Uh, it, it's really good. It was written by the guys that did Gravity Falls, produced by the guys that did Spider-Verse. I'm mm. probably one of, uh, I'm not kidding you guys, one of the best movie experiences I've had in a long, long time. And I cannot talk enough wow, about it. Wow, okay, I'm in. Uh, Mark, what about you? Uh, I think you are back on on the roadish. Is it road-ish? If you it's take a, it's if road-ish you take right now,
0: so yeah. uh, I, I do have some dates. I had a great time at the La Jolla Comedy Store, and then I'm going to go see some family um, while Jacqueline is uh, hobnobbing all over the world in a private jet. And so we'll both be out of town, but we're always going to bring you all a quality show each and yeah. every week, and I'll get some more tour dates announced soon. And please, if you all enjoy the podcast, just go ahead and rate, review, do whatever you're asked to do on set app because it gets us more Ears, eyeballs, all that good stuff, and more certified fresh guests like Jay Washington and more certified members of the Ketchup crew like our beautiful emailers.
2: I love y'all. I will say this, too. um, Mark, next week's episode is momentous, not for one, but two occasions. One, it is our last Star Wars episode for, you know, this May the 4th Star Wars month Uh, thing Mm -hmm. that we're doing. But it's also my last one before my very long-awaited vacation. So we're going to have fun next week. What are we talking about?
0: Unlimited power. We will get into the tragedy of Darth Plagueis and more importantly, the time the Sith revenge. It is episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Because Jedi's return, Sith, yeah, they get revenge. And um, boy, do they ever. It's a battle on Mustafar that we've been waiting a long, long time to see. So tune in for Revenge of the Sith. We'll have a very special guest with us as well, talking about what we thought was going to be the last Star Wars movie that any of us were ever going to get to see in our lives. It wasn't, but did it do the job? We'll talk about
2: it. Yep. See y'all here next week on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Bye now.
3: Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Autotrader. Just you wait. Autotrader.
4: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.